Hello again, friends, and welcome to the Learning Future podcast with your host, me, Luca Parry. It's a delight to be back with you to summarize season six, this, uh, this spotlight series that we did on the Hasso Plattner Institute of Design at Stanford University, aka the Stanford D School. And, you know, we really wanted to have conversations with these wonderful humans that are really leaders in design, education, uh, in innovation and technology. And all of them are, are also authors. Uh, so it was a really fascinating 10 part season uh, because of the diversity of thought in particular. Um, and, you know, there's also these wonderful guides that Stanford D School has just released as well. And so for many of these conversations, not all, but for many, you know, it also coincided with the release of these guides. And so, and they look beautiful. So if you're watching the video on YouTube, you can see them all here in my hand. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful to hold a guide like that in your book. And they're done so in such a really dynamic way, you know, quite different from many of the other books, lots and lots of images. Um, yeah, some of them have just these wonderful threads that that kind of flow throughout the entire guide itself. So, so thank you for joining us. And, and really today is a bit of a summary of season six of the Learning Future podcast and and a bit of uh, foreshadowing what's to come in season seven, on in which our focus will be on education transformed. It's been a little while since we released a podcast, actually, and that's largely because the world has opened back up. And I've, I think, done a couple of round the world trips since since we last uh, released an episode. Much of that was in the United States as well. Um, again, just working with some really wonderful education leaders and collaborators uh, across in that space. So without further ado, here's a quick summary of the 10-part series, uh, season six of the Learning Future podcast, The Humans of the D-School. We actually started with a conversation with Lara McBain and Ron Bigetto, and they recently released an excellent book, My Favorite Failure. And this really plays on the idea of how setbacks are actually what sometimes lead us to the most growth, the most expansion. And of course, our work in education or in leadership in any setting, it's, it's actually when there's some friction, tension or dissonance that there's an incredibly powerful moment to understand uh, what's next. If I remember one of my professors at, at graduate school at Melbourne University, uh, he was an assessment expert. He often would say, if anyone gets 100% on a test, really the test is useless. So it's this idea that, that, uh, that both Ron and Lara beautifully put in their book that we are perhaps too rigorously over-engineering education and human experience to the point of predictability. And so are we enabling the space? How might we form a healthy and beneficial relationship with failure, especially as a way to build resilience and to better inform our pedagogy and our practice uh, as leaders and as educators? So a wonderful book um, from those two incredible thinkers. Um, and I absolutely commend it to you, My Favourite Failure with Lara McVeigh and Ron Bigetto. And the second episode um, we had in this season was actually about ambiguity, navigating ambiguity with Kerry Shmuti. Kelly, and, and Kelly is, a um, again, a wonderful designer and educator. And it's this idea that actually, like, when has anything turned out exactly the way we thought? <laughs> so, you know, ambiguity really should be seen as an asset um, because it enables this freedom of outcome and enables this kind of adaptive, malleable approach that I don't think just allows for creative learning and action. It's it's kind of a prerequisite for it, you know. Um, 
creativity is non-linear. You know, there are these the kind of connecting of of radical ideas, um, of novel ideas to create something new. And so this, you know, all of us clearly over the last couple of years have been dealing with extreme ambiguity. We don't know if we'll be able to walk outside, if there's a mask mandate, if if we'll be able to travel, um, if schools will be in lockdown. So this this really is a wonderful book about how we can approach um how we can approach ambiguity and understand kind of what is our perhaps our attitude that underpins it the, what i like of this about this book in particular is they talk first about why our brain seeks certainty you know and the brain stuff as they call it it's really important because there is something kind of baked into our evolutionary psychology about a fear that comes from the unknown the other the ambiguity so and they have some wonderful navigation tools how do you look in look out focus speed up slow down follow the course zoom in zoom out so again really wonderful episode and a great book navigating ambiguity by andrea small and and kelly schmuti the third episode was with carissa carter who's the the head of learning at the d school and she oh gosh i love this book so much because it's it's called the secret language of maps and I've always kind of obsessed about maths and cartography and the way we see them to understand the world. But as she says in this book, you know, maps aren't just geographic. They are infographic and they are also frameworks and diagrams. In fact, a map is just a, a way of organizing information to figure out what's important. And so this is a really great, great book. Again, it takes you into a whole different way of looking at, at how maps work, how data is used, the bias that is often in different ways of presenting uh, information. And so how how might we be able to all become really good data scientists, but also map makers in our own way? Um, there's also really awesome murder mystery mapped out across that entire um, guide, The Secret Language of Maps by Carissa Carter. I absolutely commend it to everybody. Um, very, very interesting work. The, the uh, episode four was drawing on courage with Ashish Goel. And I really, again, just a wonderful conversation because he didn't say um, one of the really things that I learned from Ashish is that courage isn't a kind of like why to be courageous. It's a, it's a when to be courageous. And so it's this different idea of understanding kind of the context in which we, we stand. When do we, when do we display courage? What is it? especially as we delve into creative work. You know, it is really quite courageous to put something into the world that people may tear down. And of course, learners are doing this every single day and so are educators, you know, in, in the way that we design and deliver our lessons. And, and so are leaders in the way that we look at our strategy and our vision and our programs and practices or the new products that we might be trying to spin up within our, our company. So yeah, just a really wonderful way and uh, some very cool comics as well in Drawing on Courage. Risks Worth Taking and Stands Worth Making by Ashish Girl. The next uh, episode that we had, episode five, was called Designing for Belonging. And again, it's, this, it's the, the same title of the book by Susie Wise. And it's How to Build Inclusion and Collaboration in Your Communities. And again, this, this idea of belonging is that, especially in the last few years, you know, we we have kind of a belonging crisis. It's like, where do we belong? You know, we have a connection crisis as well. Lots and lots of 
um, contacts, but how many really deep friends, how many communities that we feel see us fully in our humanity. And so this idea that, that really to build belonging, we must create rituals that bring people together, spaces that promote calm, roles that create a sense of responsibility, and systems that make people feel respected and seen. Oh, it's just a really wonderful book and, and I think unpacks this, this fundamental human need for belonging. And so how do we show up as ourselves? How do we create cultures? Excellent, excellent book um, with lots of exercises and tools um, about how we might see it and then how we might architect it as well from Dr. Susie Wise. Absolutely commend that. Design for belonging. Next was uh, changing the conversation about school safety with Barry Svagals. Barry is one of the most amazing and humble thinkers, designers, artists I've ever met. Um, I've been very fortunate to have quite a number of conversations with Barry. I think of him as a pseudo-mentor of, of sorts, um, award-winning architect. Actually, his firm rebuilt the Sandy Hook Primary School after the horrific school shooting uh, a decade or so ago now. And so this idea is how do you, how do you think about school safety? And in the United States, this often, unfortunately, has kind of like a, a gun orientation. But in this, in this book and this reflection, it's not just about that element of school safety. It's actually, when do we feel safe? How do we cultivate feelings of connection and joy? You know, this idea that psychological safety really is a prerequisite for any type of significant learning to take place. So, yeah, just a, a really wonderful, brave, bold approach to safety in schools um, about how we can design the environments in a way where people feel safe um, rather than, you know, hardening our schools up to kind of be utilitarian. How do we soften them so they feel more human and they can enliven and delight um, young people and the adults that work within them? So changing the conversation about school safety, a really fantastic guide, which is going to be released shortly, I believe, um, from, from Barry. Um, and then we spoke to one of my favorite humans. I've got lots of favorite humans, Lisa K. Solomon. So she is a, a legit futurist, and I've learned a lot from Lisa K. Solomon. You know, she has this wonderful, she's written a couple of different books, but the one that we focused on a little was called Moments of Impact, How to Design Strategic Conversations that Accelerate Change. Um, and again, it's like there's something about the psychotechnology of conversation, of convening, of coming together, the art of gathering, as Priya Parker would, would say. And, you know, how do we actually create these environments? The other thing we spoke about is about the kind of integration between design and futures. And so this idea of taking futures literacies and design thinking and converging them. And then we're having a conversation about world building. What kind of world do we want to live in? What are the potential scenarios for the future? How do we think about the image of the future that we could bring to life and shape it rather than be shaped by it? You know, the other great piece of work I have to commend Lisa for is, is her work in civics education. And she's leading some phenomenal work, particularly across the US called Vote by Design, which looks at, and in particular, athletes to, to really support people to exercise their democratic right and, dare I say, their democratic responsibility. Um, it's the US is an optional voting system, not, not like us down here in Australia, as, as Australian friends and colleagues know. So really wonderful. If you want to know anything about futures and design, 
uh, Lisa K. Solomon is absolutely the person to go to um, where futures meets design. Really brilliant work. Uh, episode eight, we had This is a Prototype with Scott Whithoff, uh, The Curious Craft of Exploring New Ideas. And oh, this is a delightful conversation as well. Gosh, it's so good. It's like a walk down memory. You know, what is a prototype? This is a language uh, that comes from design. And it wasn't something that I was familiar with, you know, some some years ago, particularly when I was working in schools and in systems. But this idea of prototype, you know, is, is about testing the future. Because you prototype to try to discover, to, to help reveal what might be missing, to investigate what could, should, or would come next, and to discover the what, why, and how to build something that will really try to make the impact that you want. Um, yeah, Scott is... Yeah, again, a really interesting character. The D School Guide is such a delight to read through. Talks about the tools and materials. How do we think about prototyping? Are we prototyping in our work, or are we doing long pilots um, that perhaps don't give us enough agility to understand things quickly? This is a prototype. Then ultimately, episode nine was Charlotte Bur uh, Burgess Auburn. And this wonderful book, You Need a Manifesto, How to Craft Your Convictions and Put Them to Work. So this idea that, you know, when we've got the right tools, creative work can be really powerful. Uh, we can move mountains, cure plagues, and, you know, embrace social impact. We can actually change the world. We can shift our schools, shift our classrooms, shift our organizations. But of course, it's so complex how do you actually stay grounded to what you want your mission to be, to become mission obsessed? In Charlotte's view, you need a manifesto. And, you know, this, this modern manifesto, this idea of a statement of purpose and a script for action, a compass to help navigate seas of change, and a reminder always of your agency as a creator and change maker. Yeah, I've, I've made my own manifesto, a range of them, based on this work that, that Charlotte has led at the D School um, previously. So. Big fan, you need a manifesto. And to round us out, episode 10 was this brilliant conversation uh, with my friend Sam Seidel. And he is just such a phenomenal thinker, doer, prolific in so many ways. Um, as an author of Hip Hop Education and Hip Hop Genius previously. Um, and he's partnered up with Olatunde uh, uh to write Creative Hustle. And so this idea of how do you blend together this idea of creativity and the idea of, of hustle, of, you know, of just building things um, and not waiting. And, you know, their view is that we've always been creative hustlers as human beings because it's, we're solving problems and trying to live beyond the limits that are success, you know, that are suggested to us by society. You know, so there's often, this is the idea of just going beyond what, the default might think is possible for you. You know, there's some wonderful case studies in here, um, you know, about people who took their passion for social justice and African-American cuisine to become an award-winning eco-chef, Bryant Terry, Sian Hedda, who, you know, really wanted to understand herself. So she started making films that won awards, adds to the cultural uh, conversation and revolution. There is some really great insights and tools about being a creative hustler. And it wasn't, again, it's just such a wonderful phrase. How do you creatively hustle? 
And this is something I think that absolutely resonates with young people in our world today, because for better and for worse, they are all brands. You know, your social media profile says so much about you. Um, and many of them are content creators. In fact, all of them, all of us are. Uh, so if we're all kind of hustling already, are we conscious of that? Are we actually going in the right direction? Are we thinking about the social impact that we're making? How do we blaze our own path and make work that matters? Creative Hustle by Sam Sadell and Olatunde Subamahin. Really recommend that. And that, dear friends, is a is a quick, quick high level of the last 10 episodes from the Learning Future podcast, which was this spotlight on the Stanford D School, a place where I've been very lucky to spend some time as a micro-resident and fellow previously. Uh, and I have to say, these are incredible people that are really working, I think, at the, at the vanguard of what design can be and the evolution of design thinking and human-centered design into humanity-centered design and futures and a whole range of really wonderful things. Um, so thank you to everybody that joined uh, for that season and for everyone that listened along. Um, I'd love for you to, if anything really resonated, do get in touch at hello at thelearningfuture.com and yeah, very happy to, uh, to think about who else we might speak to. Speaking of, we need to get to season seven and I'm incredibly excited to announce this. Uh, I was very lucky again to be invited to Salzburg Global Seminar in Austria for an Education Futures uh, Fellowship. And so, again, I met some incredible thinkers from all over the world um, who are really trying to architect the future of learning in their context. Um, and one thing that was really clear is that this idea of the improvement paradigm is partially the problem. What we need is a transformation paradigm. And, and uh, again, I was really lucky to go to New York and to the UN to the Transforming Education Summit. And what's really interesting about that is you know, thinking, hearing the conversations from ministers of education and, and others, there is absolutely a commitment from in much of the world um, to this idea of transforming education. And to do that, we really need to think about things in a very bold and ambitious way. It can't just be we need to tweak a few things to the current model. It's what does trans transformation actually mean? And so season seven is education transformed. And we speak with global thinkers, leaders, educators, uh, to, to hear from them directly about their work. This includes representatives from UNESCO, people from the OECD, people from the World Bank, people working in the startup space, people leading in the nonprofit sector and ecosystem building, field building work, big change, many others. Um, I really hope you enjoy the conversations that are coming and education transformed for our, our next season of the Learning Future podcast. Until then, colleagues and friends, continue the great work that you do and look forward to speaking soon.